Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Because nobody else was there for labs. Let's face it. I could see it in their face. They didn't have to pee. So like I. <laughs> you can tell. You can Yeah. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yeah, everybody is simulating riding horses right yes, now. Yes, we were. If you could mm. see us now. Mm-hmm. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hey, hey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't that the uh, chicken in Moana? Is it hey, hey? Hey, hey. Yeah. Hey, hey. Mm, it's Tuck mm. Tuck in uh, Alan Tudyk plays Tuck Tuck in something else, right? He plays Hey, hey, Tuck Tuck and um, Goo Goo. I made that one up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I made that one up. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. <laughs> well, so uh, it's, it's, I don't know how long it's been actually uh, uh, when, when this one comes out because this one comes out like in two weeks. But since that, the last time we ranted, surely. One of you have something very, very, you're very, very angry about. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to give a rant and you want to, you want to let somebody have it. I'm as mad as hell. You're out of order. You've never seen me very upset. I'll tell you what. I'll start. I'll start. Ooh, he must have a good one. Um, recently I've had to go to lots of doctors for various reasons. Don't worry about me. it's not, it's not a, it's not a big deal, but a lot of different things, just a lot of different things. And, uh, and so I went to an appointment. Uh, it was a, it was just a lab day. I was going to, I was going to have my blood taken, have my pee did. And, I'm gonna go get my pee did. Have my pee did. <laughs> um, and so it was a lab day and wasn't a big deal. I was gonna. Uh, I took a pill the previous night, and then at eight o'clock, I was to show up and do the labs and everything. Now I went up to this uh, doctor's office, and there were five people waiting outside uh, the the doors. And so I was like, oh, okay, so it must be locked. And I was like, oh, it's, you know, it, I, I think everything that I've looked at says it opens at eight. It was seven 45 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm sitting there like, all right, I'll just, I'll mess around on my phone for a bit and, uh, we'll wait and they'll open up and everything. And they'll tell us when you come, come inside. 
And then somebody walks in. It's a probably I, I, we're all waiting out there probably 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, it's getting a, it's like seven fifty three, seven fifty four, somewhere around there. Somebody walks up from the elevator, goes right in, goes right in, walks in, opens the door, goes right in. <laughs> and, uh, and then somebody from the office, from the doctor's office comes out and tells us this place has been open since seven 30. Why are you guys all standing out here? Oh, and I'm sitting no. there going, I'm sitting there for a second going, Okay, I guess we're all dumb. I guess we're all stupid here because we all took the word or the or or we all followed suit when we saw the people in front not going in and everything like that. My problem is if you work at this doctor's office and you see people outside standing, it's glass. It's glass. It's glass. There's, there, there's no way you didn't see this happening outside. You know, you saw that, you know, you fucking saw that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you didn't get up from your goddamn chair and walk 10 feet and say, you know what? We are in actuality open. I'm so sorry (laughs) that you guys have been standing out here. None of that shit. Looking at him like, Hey, they're still out there. None of that <laughs> shit. It's amazing. It's kind of like, you know, the reason why I'm standing out there with other, with the rest of the people is kind of like that key and peel sketch, right? Where the guy says, I hit the, the, the button for the, the walk sign or whatever. Hmm. He's like, don't worry about it. I hit it. And you're telling that guy, don't hit the button. Cause I hit the button. And, and then the walk sign doesn't come up or whatever. Like it, it fucks up or whatever. But the whole sketch is like, don't worry about it. Don't yeah. hit it. Cause I yeah. hit it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. you're doing. You're you don't, you don't, you don't want to make someone look stupid by just right. walking past them and going, I, it seems open. I don't know. Are you, you know? okay? Yes. There's a razor's edge there of like, all right, five, six people out here. If you walk up to that door with these people gathered out there without saying anything, mm-hmm. just go up and you just open the door and say it, say it opens or say, God forbid, it's still locked. You are an asshole mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. situation yeah. because, because you're saying you're that the other people didn't try that and they're yeah. dicks for not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they clearly, they clearly did not try the door to get mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. I, I mean, the other side of the, the razor's edge is that there's a group think happening. First person went up there and maybe it was locked when that person went up there. And then that person turned around, maybe uh, Chica unlocked the door or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then that person standing and then next person, next person, next person, they just assume. Right mm-hmm. now. And, and, and so, you know, that's the other side of it where it's like, Eh, has anybody tried this? Maybe some communication between those people before you, you get there, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, uh, which, which could solve everything, but still in your position at that level of, of, of crowd outside of that door for you to walk up, for you to do what that dude did from mm-hmm. the elevator mm-hmm. and not say anything, just walk the fuck right in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dick move. 
Let's that was a here. super dick move on his part. I mean, I was I was I was shocked. Like it wasn't he just a wrong move, but it was a dick move. He just randomly just said, "I see six people waiting outside here, but I'm going to walk right past them and through the door, and then get you know." Yeah. I mean, he's obviously that person. Obviously, knew they opened at seven thirty. I didn't because I looked at the thing and it said eight a.m. is when it opened. So <laughs> I was like, "All right, whatever." Now it gets worse. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I go in, I check in and I'm like, I'm here for the labs. And they're like, I got you down. All right, cool. Got you down. We're going to did you pee. <laughs> I, I sat down, waited for my name to be called. Oh no. Saw as three or four other people got called before me, which is fine, which oh, is fine. Not a big oh, deal. Oh no. 8.30 rolls around. Fuck me. Hmm. I get up. I go to the counter. I say, I, and someone new is behind the counter and she goes, have you been checked in? I said, yes, <laughs> I have been checked in, but I've been here for 40 minutes and no one has said my name and I'm just here for labs. And she goes, oh, you're just here for labs? <laughs> goes in the back, talks to somebody, another five, 10 minutes goes by and the person finally is ready for me. Probably just been sitting back there drinking coffee and gossiping and all this shit this whole time. <laughs> Cause nobody else was there for labs. Let's face it. I could see it in their face. They didn't have to pee. So like I <laughs> can tell. You can yeah. Tell. Can just tell. So, so yeah, I finally got that done. And yeah, I, <laughs> I went to my primary doctor who, who, uh, who suggested this. And I'm, I'm not judging the doctor on this one experience. It could be a bad staff thing. Could be a bad day, whatever. Sure. We'll see the next time I go, if there's any kind of problem. I, I know now not to fucking wait outside if that happens. But if I get, you know, if I get that whole like waiting in the office for, you know, waiting in the waiting room for 45 minutes, whatever. But I told my primary care doctor though that, the same day, cause I went to go in some more checkup shit told her about this experience and she went and talked to that she called that doctor and awesome awesome told her that uh i had a bad experience and and everything so that was a good thing um uh i was i i'm i'm one of these types that you have to kind of screw up on a in a major way like more than once before i start yelling um but yeah, if that had happened, if that the next time I go there and something like that happens, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a fucking scene in that waiting room. <laughs> this is the way it is. I need to pee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. My doctor's office is weird. This is probably standard procedure, but it always strikes me as weird. I'll go for like a physical or regular checkup, but sometimes they need to check labs for one thing or another that they're checking tracking, mm-hmm. and so the doctor will finish with me. And then send me back out to the waiting room. And then they'll come, another person will come out and call me back for labs like two minutes later. It's like the Mm -hmm. labs is like a whole separate part of the, that sort of makes sense to me. Why won't she realize, oh, you're just here for labs. You probably could have gotten in five minutes after you got there. Mm -hmm. They really realized that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm about to make sure that a national brand never becomes a sponsor of the Sincast. All right. And I, I, I want to preface <laughs> everything I'm about to say by saying this is every bit a first world problem mm. rant. Mm. Um, I am not trying to say the suffering I endured is in any way actual suffering. 
this company is named Schmunk and Schmonuts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ah, ah, yes. Uh, there's mm. two on every block where I live. Yes. Um, now, listen. In the morning, after, you know, when the pandemic hit, I stopped going anywhere for like, till I got vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And then I started some of my routines again, which is, you know, I've got a Starbucks a couple miles one direction. I've got a Dunkin a couple miles one direction. And I usually, in a supermarket near each, and I usually go out every morning, grab a tea or a coffee, something for the wife and some bananas or something to the store and come home. Now, Dunkin has this app um, that when I first used it pre-pandemic, I just used it to pay. Because when you pay through the app, you load money onto the app. Then when you pay through the app, you earn free drinks every now and then, what have you. Mm. It's also faster because you just stick your app under this QR code reader and you're paid. Well, post-pandemic, I didn't really want to talk to people. So I started using the app to order. And listen, they want me to use the app to order. Mm -hmm. There are faster free drinks when you order through the app. There are... Items that you can only find on the app that you don't aren't even on the menu at the store. Um, they have double points days. They want me using that fucking app. So I started using the app to order. And it's glorious, right? You walk in. Your drinks are sitting right there with a receipt taped on them. Grab, go. Nobody has to say anything. I mean, maybe a thank you, okay? Um, but about three months ago, Duncan closed their tables inside hmm. and had a big sandwich board outside that says drive through only mm-hmm. but then on the door there's a piece of paper that says drive through only or walk in if mobile order hmm. Hmm. so you could mm-hmm. walk in and then they had it like roped off where the tables used to be but you could still grab your drink with your seat and go this is i am certain due to what is a common problem everywhere having a hard time finding employees. I don't think this is a pandemic-related thing at all because they ain't wearing masks in there. This is, we, we don't have enough people. So we are funneling everybody through the drive-through so that two or three people can handle the orders because we don't have six. Yeah. This is largely because I'm assuming Duncan, as a national brand, refuses to pay a living wage. Mm-hmm. Um, that is mm-hmm. not what this rant is about, although it really is. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this for two or three months. And then last Monday, nine days ago, as of the recording of this podcast, I order a drink for myself and a drink for my wife. And I pay. This is what you do. You order and you pay. This Dunkin' is a mile and a half. So I do it before I leave the house. I I order and pay, get in the car and start driving. Only when I get there and walk up to the door, that piece of paper is gone and the door is goddamn locked. And the sandwich board that says drive through only is moved much closer to the door. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. So I get in my car and I drive around the strip mall. There are 30 goddamn cars in line stretched Jesus. out around the street. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, well, this isn't worth it. So I drive back around to the front and I walk up to the window and I point to the app and I say, how do I get a refund? And she just jerks her finger and points at the drive through. And I was oh. like, there's 30 cars back there. I just want a refund. And she points her finger and jerks back at the drive-thru. And so now I'm like, okay, I have to sit in a line of 30 cars. That's easily going to be 30 minutes if you do a minute per car, which you will not, mm-hmm. to get my drinks or my $6.65. So I'm livid. Now, granted, to, in her defense, 
she's probably having the shittiest day of her life. There were mm-hmm. only two people inside. They've clearly made this decision because, yet again, they have even fewer staff. And so now walk-ins for mobile orders have been canceled, and you can only pick them up through the drive-thru. And she probably doesn't need some guy, some entitled guy, walking up to the window like, out of all the customers, you should talk to me at the window uh, like I'm special. So I, I, I don't want to make her the villain of the story. But at this point, I'm not going to sit in that fucking line. So I, mm-hmm. I go home and I get on the Duncan website and I find a contact form and I send a message. Basically, here's my order number. Here's my customer ID. Here's what happened. By the way, why isn't there a place on the app when I order that says this store is drive through only? Because when I place an order, it says, how do you want to pick it up? Walk in or drive through? I have to hit a button for walk in. Just disable that button. When the mm-hmm. store is so understaffed, so I don't spend the money and the time driving out there only to find there's a line longer than some funny joke so, I can't think of. They're probably, oh, they're probably so uh, understaffed that they don't even have somebody who can press the button that fucks up, well, fucks up, that I makes guess. the the app uh, do what it needs them to do. Um, so then uh, I get a reply from J.B. Smucker or J.M. Smucker. <laughs> J.B. Duncan. Says, hello, customer. We proudly manufacture, package, and sell the retail version of Duncan's products. You must have used the wrong contact form, and you need this contact form. This oh. is 24 hours later. Jesus. Oh, no. So at this point, I'm not angry anymore. I'm, and it's, look, it's $6.65. It's kind of about the principle about this thing. I'm not going to let this go. So I fill out the correct contact form. With the same exact message, all the information. I love that you do this, by the way. <laughs> 20, 20, and, not, well, I, and they can't I, just forward it to the right fucking thing. I mean, yeah, I guess on. not. I just, again, I'm not being a dick. I'm not cussing in this message. I'm not being like a Karen. I've just. So 24 hours after that, this is now Wednesday, I get a message back from the correct Duncan marketing team that says, I can't give you a refund unless I see a screenshot of your receipt. And I wanted to say, motherfucker, you have access to the back end code of this app. Yeah. I gave you yeah. my ID number. You are the receipt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I take a goddamn screenshot with my phone. I have to wow. do two because the receipt is so long. You hold I, on. Hold on. You are continuing down this fight. <laughs> yes. You have not given this is six dollars. Not you only six dollars. You have now I, gone back and forth between the fucking incident, then back and forth again. Yes. And then come home, filled out a contact form, filled out another contact form, had yes. a, a conversation with this person. Now you are continuing on with the screenshot. Yes. Holy I send God. the screenshots. I say my screenshots are attached. But honestly, I do not care about the money as much as I care about you enabling the app to help me avoid this ever happening again. Mm-hmm. And I have not been back to Duncan since. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Lost, so why would there. I? Not only do I have a Starbucks nearby and another Starbucks on the other side of that Duncan, I found two other nearby like local owned coffee shops. <laughs> Fuck you, Duncan. And your stupid 30 car line drive through only because we only pay eight bucks an hour. Asshole dick faces. Right. Dude, I is. I um, I always wondered about that. Uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I, I don't I don't go to any of these establishments. Um, but 
I used to drive past that Starbucks that was that's on West End, uh, and in the morning, and I can't remember a reason why. Maybe I was walking. I think it may have been walking past it or something. And you and you walk, you know, you walk past the Starbucks, and it's like people are out in the fucking street to get Starbucks, and I'm like, it can't be that good and important. It can't be to be in that line, like. It's the old Hannibal Burris thing where he's talking about like there's a deal for Black Friday or whatever, and, and you know it's like, but the deal is only at like five o'clock in the morning or something. He's like, well, the five o'clock negates the deal. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And to me, it's like it doesn't matter how delicious that coffee is or like how important it is to your day. Stand sitting in that line on like actually on the street of yeah. West End to get your coffee can't fucking possibly be worth it nope no no i mean you can understand it like uh, we've all been to the nashville airport where there's that centrally located starbucks that everybody anytime really i mean any time of day besides especially between like 7 a.m and 10 p.m that place is fucking packed out Mm -hmm. both sides right it's supposed to come in you know one side but it's both sides I understand you're a captive audience at that point. Yeah, you could go to Hudson Hawk or Hudson fucking News or whatever, <laughs> and get like yeah. a like an I like a jar of I don't know Mountain Dew or something like that. A jar of Mountain Dew, jar of Mountain Dew, mason jars. We, we the sell them in jars around here. <laughs> but everybody goes to the Starbucks. Like you're a captive audience there. Where the fuck else are you going to go? But yeah, if you're if you're standing in line in the middle of a city, in, in which there's nine other Starbucks or coffee shops of other ilks around go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. It's yeah. not worth it. It's no. not worth it. No, not I get, uh, I got my own problems with the, the double D, but I'm not even going to, I'm not going to hang my hat on that. Cause you, you covered a lot there with, uh, with I mean, Duncan. I will eventually go back. I'm sure my family's about to be here for Thanksgiving and they all love Dunkin' Donuts. But yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to say, I'm not going with you, and you are going to sit in a long line. Because I drive by, by that Dunkin' every other day, and it's still only drive through. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Why would I do that? Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't like the position that everyone, including and especially the employees, are put in these days with food service in general when it comes yeah. to restaurants, especially fast food. Because they have to put up with the same assholery, not you but the same assholery that they've always put up with just with 90% fewer staff <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. with no increase in their wages and, you know, with, with all this uh, mobile shit going on and everything and God bless them. The ones that are still doing it. I mean, this is, um, God bless you. It's so dumb. A- They're right next to McDonald's who pays, I think, I don't know. They pay, above minimum wage to start and then they're right in front of a Publix and they pay like 13 14 bucks an hour mm-hmm. um, so of course nobody's going to work for your ass <laughs> this is a this is something of course that was happening pre-pandemic it's just now were exacerbated but the you know this is, was my argument always too about the Hollywood 27 that we used to work at Jeremy like they uh, when I got there and when you were there, they were still opening three or four stands, but mm-hmm. they, I think they stopped 
somewhere in within the next year or so mm-hmm. claiming it wasn't worth it. And I'm like sitting there going, how much do you pay these people that, that, and you, and you sell all this stuff that's way overpriced that it can't, that it's not worth it. Like I you I could, didn't make anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have four people in a stand and you're paying them, which at the time was like, I think five or $6 an hour or oh, something yeah. like that. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's an hour. Like it, let's say all four of those employees worked all day, which is 12 or 13 hours or something like that. You're paying them. Oh, $65 each for a total of uh, $260 a mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And you, you sell a number of fucking items back there that are like more than their hours work uh, per item. And, and, uh, and you telling me that you can't. And so like they would, they started to start, start knocking, knocking them out. Like they just, they, they stopped opening this stand and they stopped opening this stand. And so, and finally they even like closed off two of them. The they, one they on the long them. hallway where I used to be camped out, mm-hmm. uh, the, where it was like maybe 15 steps from the main one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. It was bare. I don't think it was even, I, I'm sure it was, it was barely at, the uh the diversion over to what is that 15 and 6 or 16 and 17 or something like that uh that mm-hmm. little short hall down the yeah, right there's one there was one between 15 and 16 that's where yeah. i was camped if i wasn't at the main one that's where i was camped out mm-hmm. uh, yeah. i used to run around on the floor they always put me in the booth or on the floor and i would always beg the female manager you both know who i'm talking about at least mm-hmm. chris does mm-hmm. why don't you open b concession why don't you open c concession uh, the lines in front are back to the box office. Like, what do you do? She only cared about labor. She only cared about keeping labor costs low. And I would say, God, I hated this woman. I would say, mm-hmm. if you have a high enough per cap, they do not give a shit what your labor cost is. If you sell enough concessions, they won't even look at the labor column. Yeah. And, and she just refused to do it. She was the reason they started shutting those down. She was the logic of the, it's just not worth it. But it was all about labor costs. I just wanted, I just wanted to know what the, you know, what ultimately, you know, like you, you put, you make that main stand, your only stand and you have regulars who come in week by week who eventually realize that those other stands are never open. So that's what they're, where they're going to, they're either going to go here and wait in a line or they're not going to get concessions or they're going to smuggle it in at this point. Right. Um, and I would, and, and, and future managers would always have the same mentality because I know from up high, they're being told, you know, keep your out, you know, keep your payroll at a such and such. And I was, and I always argue, open it up. It, it may not do well on those first couple of tries, but that's because people don't expect it to be open and they, they just completely uh, ignore it and they just go into the main one every time. And it, the, the one way back by 15 and 16, that's where your biggest fucking movies were. How yeah, in the yeah. world is that not profitable? And your biggest <laughs> auditoriums, all three of those auditoriums were 500 seats. That's what I was, that's what I said. <laughs> oh, you said biggest movies. Uh, yeah. Your that. biggest me. I'm sorry. That biggest movies equal biggest auditoriums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where all your, all your people are at that point. They're going to come up. They're going to get up. And get something if they're they there. Smell and, that popcorn when they go by to use a bathroom. And oh. guess what? There, there, there's going to be times where um, 
you know, they, they, they would have gotten up to get something in concessions, but decided not to, because they had to walk the length of an airport terminal to get back to this thing. So I was like, man, if you just kept it open for a long time, a sustainable amount of time, just a sustained time, just have it open, 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 open. People eventually come around to that. You can see it at the end of the hallway, like from the fucking lobby. You can Mm -hmm. see that that shit is open. That, That was C, right? C was the one in the middle that was C, like okay, a, so between was, 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which so, is now a, a bar. They have a bar set up there oh, now. Okay. But, really? Um, yeah, they do. They have, like, uh, I don't know if Regal has a has a bar uh, brand, kind of like how AMC does with their uh, MacGuffins or whatever. Mm. But they, uh, I think uh, that and Green Hills and maybe, I, I don't know if Opry Mills. Opry Mills may have one. Um, It'll but, get you drunk. Yeah, but I'm well, just sitting there. That's just, how you get your per cap up right there. Sell alcohol. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it, it, that it, nobody seems to understand the, that you spend money to make money, and you you make the experience better by people not having to wait in humongous lines over and over. I, you, you know, know who Barrett, understood that? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> 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 I think that's it. We're done here, folks. That's <laughs> <But> true. <laughs> oh, that's what the parable of the talent is all about. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a beautiful moment. <laughs> um but yeah anyway that, that, that's, I've, I've never understood that and it's uh it's uh you know pay your people i mean it's, it's like the whole chinatown thing right like how many like how what is there out there that you can't buy that you're you know the these rich fucks who run these companies man yeah. it's like the future mr gets the future <laughs> anyway my my rant was actually going to be about the theater experience which i think we uh we pretty much covered uh, I, basically I was going to say that, you know, the only draw to the theater right now is, is the big screen in the, in the seating itself. Uh, there are no other accoutrements in, including the, the shuttering of things that made something like the Hollywood 27 unique, not only the Art deco stuff, but like how big in scope it was, how grand the lobby was, how, and of course the lobby is still grand, but like, you know, seeing down there, seeing the 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 concession right there, seeing the, you get the other concession, bustling things, stuff happening that you know once once they started cookie cuttering everything, it it just doesn't make mm. it an experience uh, anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, that was my rant, but you guys covered the 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 fun part of it, uh, the inside oh. baseball part of it. So uh, yeah, I'm done. I think I think <laughs> you guys ranted. Uh, uh, far too well <laughs> mm, far too well we'll get you next time gadget um <laughs> all right well uh does anybody have any recommends and warns Ooh, 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 ooh jeremy have, does i have some of each it's yeah. been a long time <laughs> bring it yeah you're all backed up um just yesterday or the day before it was the day before because my wife was in the other room when i watched it that's not pertinent um <clears throat> A documentary from Showtime uh, that just came out in November called Attica. Mm. Um, Attica. 
Attica. Exactly. And after you watch this documentary, you may never chant like that again the same. Yeah. Um, because I think what I think what happened has largely been lost to myth and time and lore. Mm-hmm. And it's viewed as a prison uprising because of the unfair treatment of the prisoners that led to better treatment of prisoners across the nation. It's so bad. It's so bad. Hmm. Like the documentary's bad or the situation? No, the documentary's bad. excellent. Um hmm. the event is so bad. Um you know, that is that is all true that the prisoners essentially rioted and it was about half of the prisoners um took a bunch of guards hostage and <clears throat> just started hanging out in the yard feeling like free men even though there were still walls around them. Mm. There are a lot of interviews with inmates, some of whom are unapologetic, some of whom seem like they might have done things differently. Much like that 9-11 series, Chris, that you and I watched, Mm -hmm. you will see somebody old that you are seeing interviews cut from in some of this old footage of the actual interior of the prison. So they've, they've restored and colorized and found a bunch of new footage. Um, one of the other astounding things the prisoners did was almost immediately they invited the media in because they wanted to show that they were treating the hostage as well and that they just they had a list of demands. They wanted, among other things, more than one roll of toilet paper a month. Jesus. Hmm. Jesus Christ. If that gives you an idea of how they were being treated. One guy said he got his head cracked open in a fall. Or maybe, no, he was in a fight. <clears throat> so he got thrown into this holding cell with a bunch of other guys. And a guard walked by and he was like, hey, my head is actually split open right here. I need medical attention. And the guard leaned down and had him put his head through the opening and slammed him with his baton right on the open skull mm. wound. Mm. Jesus. Like, this is a hellhole. Um, before this event. Um, you know, trigger warnings abound here. Um, I'll keep talking just so that you can understand some of them. So the prisoners uh, are surprisingly uh, educated um, and requested a, a panel of observers, uh, everyone from a law professor at Harvard to a famous uh, activist, um, a dozen or so people around the world they wanted to come in and serve as observers. They ended up being basically arbiters um, to hear the prisoners' demands. And they had, I think, 28 demands, um, all of which were related to better treatment, better supplies, clean clothes, clean sheets. Um, And uh, the one sticking point was they wanted amnesty for this riot. They didn't want to be charged with an extra crime after this was settled um, for having taken hostages. Now you can, you can view that from a strictly moral perspective and say, well, take hostages and might be consequences. But I think when you watch this documentary, it's only two hours. It's a, it's not a docu-series. I think you will see that these were desperate people uh, who felt they had literally no other options or they were going to die. Mm. Um, so the sticking point is that amnesty deal. They go back and forth. It's two or three days that 
governor of New York is Rockefeller. He refuses to come down. He refuses to get involved. That's a big problem. Um, and after about three days, the local cops in charge have had enough and they decide to go in. And they never gave the inmates any food or water that they requested during the three days of this standoff. Mm. Um, anyway, they call in the national guard, um, one big mistake I believe the prisoners made was to try and keep them from coming in uh, to assault the prison. They took several of the guard hostages blindfolded to the top of the catwalk and held knives and shivs to their throats, which in my opinion only guaranteed that they were going to come in. And so once they realized that the cops and the National Guard were coming in, um, it was mayhem in the yard and people were running around crazy and panicking. And the cops come in and they go to the tops of the catwalks and they just start shooting. Mm. Um, people running to them with injuries, looking for a medic, shooting. Uh, people with their hands up on their knees, shooting. Um, all told, I think there were nine or more of the guard hostages that died and 20-some prisoners. They were all killed by police, off police officer bullets. Hmm. Mm. The inmates had no guns. The cops then told the media that a bunch of guards had their throats slit until the medical examiner came behind and said, no, hmm. none of them did. The prisoners didn't slit any throats. So then when all is said and done, the police have control and they turn it into a concentration camp. Hmm. They make them crawl through the latrine ditch that they dug during the ordeal. They make them disrobe and run around with their hands behind their heads, mm. running in circles. Um, they beat them, they break bones, they fracture skulls. It is all out retribution by the guards who remain. And only like sometime after 2000. Well, sometime after 2000, did the families of the guards and the families of the inmates uh, get any financial restitution from the state? Hmm. Hmm. It took that long to go through the courts. This was uh, early 70s? 71. Yeah. 71. So this is four years before I'm born and um, not something I think I ever learned much about in school. I know movie references. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe it was my own naivete coming into this thing that made it so sobering to me. Um, but it was a fantastic documentary. You know, I like to complain about question askers off camera. There's none of that. There's only one or two drone shots of the actual <laughs> prison from modern it day. It ticks all the boxes. Of <laughs> it, I'm telling you. And it just keeps punching. It just keeps punching. And I had no idea. So from an educational standpoint and an entertainment standpoint, two thumbs up, full recommend. Just know you may want to look up, does the dog die? Look for the specific triggers that might bother you. There's naked prisoner men um, being beaten up and stuff. Like some mm -hmm. of this footage, I don't know how they got it. So it was educational, but, is essentially. It did what it was supposed to do, is to inform, correct? It wasn't I think necessarily... So. And that's your bread and butter when it comes to documentaries. Didn't did it seem like it had an agenda? I mean, there there really isn't much I think, of 
an agenda to be had at a, in a situation like this, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the agenda is you don't know how bad it was. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, by the way, to, when, when I was chanting the Attica, it was the dog day afternoon right. stand where he was talking about those atrocities. Yes, Or, yes. or playing mm-hmm. off of those atrocities uh, that yes. happened there. But, in a, but in a, even in that... Even that reference, I wasn't criticizing you for doing the chant. Right, right. Uh, that is, you're quoting the movie. But even that movie, I don't feel like necessarily is truly underlining what happened at Attica. No, it's, no, it's literally a riot, rallying cry. I think the crowd yes. starts it, and he just, you know, he 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 stokes it by just yeah. kind of saying something tangentially. Re- has nothing to do with the fucking robbery that he's doing besides maybe getting supplies for the hostages in a similar way. Right. But like, yeah, yeah, it's apples and oranges. So this is brand new. Um, You can watch it on Hulu with a premium subscription. It's also on Showtime. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 98%. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. This is on HBO. You said Showtime. Showtime. Showtime Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. Um I am going to recommend The French Dispatch. Ooh, Wesley Ooh. Anderson. Yes, Wes Anderson who is I guess is he polarizing? I'm not sure if he is. I don't know. I think there's a there is a I don't know. There's a stigma about him. It's shorthand. It's shorthand for being too precious. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's unfair to be honest. I think it you. is too. I think the the thing about him is that he is really really good at like details, especially all in the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think those always add to the world that he's he's presenting. Yeah. And yeah, he's got a way about it. You know, it's a very wet. It's there's a reason why there's been a lot of Wes Anderson parodies out there. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the French is, I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't really looking that forward to this movie. I don't know why. I don't think the trailers did too much for me, but I'm going to watch a Wes Anderson movie if it comes out. <laughs> and uh, this is a, this is a movie that has three different stories involving three different writers for this uh what we know as a now defunct newspaper known as the French dispatch. And I don't know. I I didn't quite catch how the, the whole thing works. It's a, it's an outfit in Kansas Mm. and these writers have gone to France and they come back and report to this newspaper or something like that. It's something to, of that nature. Uh, And the writers, Owen Wilson plays a writer, Francis McDormand plays a writer and Jeffrey Wright plays a writer. Um, hmm. and so there's three different stories. It's kind of an anthology type of thing. You know, um, uh, the first one is about a prisoner who, uh, who does these paintings of, of a, uh, of a, of a lovely guard played by Leia Sadu, uh, and it, uh, Benicio del Toro is the prisoner Ooh. and, she's posing naked for him and he is doing these paintings that don't really have any, any nudity at all in them, but they are considered masterpieces. And Adrian Brody is the guy who wants to sell these paintings. Of course, has to go through a lot of red tape to get Benicio del Toro's paintings out of prison and have, and get profits off them and everything. 
Um, that story is wonderful in in almost every way like a really a really great there's there's like a a mini start to this where the owen wilson uh in the beginning it's kind of a a prologue or preface or whatever um uh and uh and and then uh and then it goes into this one and uh and it's really good and then, then there's another one right after that the francis mcdormand one where she's covering a revolution and Tim- Timothy Chalamet is in this as one of the revolutionaries, mm. uh, and he and he and Francis McDormand are are involved together. And Francis McDormand has to go through all this, like, well, should I be writing about this if I'm going to be sleeping with one of the main people that's in in this uh, in this story? Uh, and then there is um, a a wealthy uh, a wealthy person's kid is kidnapped, and they have to use a world renowned chef to get inside and uh, to to uh, to try to infiltrate where the kidnappers are. Hmm. Uh, really interesting uh, story, and of course, yes, all the Wes Anderson hallmarks in there. I have I have a feeling that this is one of those movies that you're going to notice new stuff every time you watch it it's one of those where there's so much detail and everything and it's like every one of his movies right like all of his movies have this certain world about it uh and every frame has the have these details where you're just like geez you really went balls to the wall on all this how do you even i mean is it is it you or is it just a team of people who are just like, let's come up with, let's add this little thing to the frame because you know, that would be nice. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's a, and uh, you know, of course they're, they're all like real funny and whimsical and you know, the French dispatch is, is a wonderful movie. I don't, there's one detraction to this. I don't know if I cared too much about the revolution story too much. Hmm. And that, uh, it, it, it I know that they're aimed, he's aiming for a certain conclusion in that story, but I, I felt myself not caring too much about that one. And, and each one has its own like little lulls, but uh, for, for the most part, this is a very fun, entertaining movie and it's well worth the, uh, the cr- uh, critical acclaim that it's getting. So, uh, so yeah, hmm. highly recommend very it. Good. Thanks. But yeah, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, getting it with, uh, yeah, man. Chalamet, huh? That's Actually, right. I read an interview with her where she and uh, the director completely disagreed on hmm. whether or not her character and Chalamet's character had a sexual relationship. Dorman was adamant that they did not, uh, but uh, the director was adamant that they did. Well, then. that's interesting because, well, you know, they don't act, of course, they don't show them like, you know, hammering away at each other or anything <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. He um, uses a peach that's right that's right he uses a peach indeed um but uh but uh she is sleeping with him and she is and she is in her writings conscious of the fact that she's involved with the guy um all but but i could see her way i could see her way though she could be in one of those type of things where it's still too close but it's not it's not sexual. It's not not sexual either. Um, <laughs> what is the, what is the gay age gap there? She's in her fifties, right? Uh, I think she's in her sixties by now. Um, really? Because yeah, because in Fargo she was thirty 
five, maybe somewhere around there. I bet she's like right at 60. Okay. And uh, I'm looking up Francis right now. Okay. Chalamet's uh, what? 24. 24. She is 64. 64. Wow. Okay. Mm hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. good for her. Get after that. That's Quaid style age gap there. Tap that yeah. ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I th- there were moments where I was like, eh, I, don't know, I don't really. Uh, this story's not really doing it for me. But I mean, even when the story's not doing it for you, the actors are doing something that's awesome, or you know, there's some details that he throws in the screen. It's really fun. So this has all of the. Uh, the the regular guys right like billy murray's in this and bill murray plays the uh bill murray plays the editor of the french dispatch Mm -hmm. who who loves all of his writers he indulges his writers and his writers follow suit because they they totally take advantage of that fact Mm -hmm. um uh like uh one of the writers i think francis mcdormand comes in and, and and turns in her story and uh and they go through the expenses and he's like is there any reason why you had to get to uh take out this like really expensive hotel room in the north of france or whatever and she said well how else was i supposed to write this story or some you know something (laughs) so like so like there's this whole thing where there's there's accountant sitting there going through all the expenses and it's like some insane amount of money to (laughs) you know um but yeah, there's there's a there's a whole bunch of people in here. Elizabeth Moss shows up as one of the French dispatch workers. Um, she's not in it very long, just in those just in pieces. Same as Bill Murray. Anytime it's the actual French dispatch uh, building, uh, none of those characters are like in it for very long. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, it's a it's a fun movie. Nice, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like I like that uh, I like that guy's stuff. The mm-hmm. last few movies it's been moonrise kingdom it's been grand budapest it's been isle of dogs and it's been mm-hmm. this right mm-hmm. and isle of dogs i didn't think was up to the par of those previous two but i find myself liking it a lot yeah um mm. so yeah yeah, yeah. i'm, I'm mm-hmm. definitely gonna check this one out Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to recommend too. We're all recommending. It's all positivity. That's right. right Very here, positive. Oh, I could gonna... bring us down next oh, round. Oh, like, nice. Oh, yeah. All right. Nice. Well, I, I, I'm going to recommend this. It's a short film, folks. It's a short film. Short film. It's also, one could say, a music video. Ooh, it's a music yes. video. Oh, yes. it's T Swifty. You know what? Why you got to steal my fucking thunder like that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm... No, no, it's fine. Why don't you, you introduce the goddamn piece? Nobody ever has to know. I'm kidding. No, this is Taylor Swift's all too well short film. <clears throat> this is labeled as a short film. It was marketed as a short film. It's on YouTube, so it's not like you have to go to a festival or whatever the fuck to, to see it. Taylor herself uh, wrote and directed it and, of course, wrote the song and sung the song, and she appears in that. She's doing everything, folks. Mm-hmm. Taylor's doing everything. Of course, you've heard... Uh, everything Taylor these days because uh, she's re-releasing her famous Red album, her version. Uh, I love what she's doing, the mentality behind this of re-recording her masters so that they are her own and it's content. Working. It's, it's working, working like be- a motherfucking charm. Because she's the TikTok people are using the new versions and advertisers are using the new versions and yeah. Universal ain't making shit. Listen, and you could say... Having not, uh, you know, I've, I've, I listened to 1989 religiously. That has not come out, her version. But I'm not as familiar with Speak Now and, and Red and Fearless as their original inception. Listening to these side by side, I like the new version better. Uh, I understand if you've grown up with for, you know, 15 years or whatever it is on listening to the original version of Red, you may... Uh, like this better. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. All Too Well uh, is a song that I had never heard of. Okay? Uh, seemed, they, there's a lot of Taylor Swift songs that I haven't heard of. Okay? She's got a massive catalog. All Too Well apparently has become this concert staple. It's become legend. It's become like uh, for, for Swifties, they love this fucking song. It mm-hmm. is the, the, the... Everybody says if you ask what the best song from Pavement is... Uh, they say grounded, right? Okay, that's the the only consensus that those fucking hipsters have on anything is that grounded is the best pavement song of all time. Every Swifty, mm. yeah, that's right. I compared mm. pavement to uh, Taylor Swift. Yes, you Every did. Swifty out there says that all too well is her best song. It's her magnum opus, right? And good song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I felt when I listened to good it. Song. It's good song. Uh, it's she, uh, she, she recorded a ten-minute version of "All Too Well" uh, for the album, and perfectly fine. Uh, when you listen to it, prima facie, you listen to it on the face of it, good song about a breakup. You know, young love, uh, things go awry. Okay, you know, we've been down this road with with Taylor before, right? Okay, so you watch the short film, you watch the. Uh, you watch the music video. I'll call it a music video. It's called a short film. And it does, it's it's a narrative thing where two young people fall in love and they have their 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 romance. They have their uh their their coming together um <laughs> of uh, of souls and everything. And then, you know, the first the first crack in the window. It's literally subtitled like this. Uh, the first crack. And there's the, a little little friction there. But they're cool. But they're cool. And then they, things go downhill further. And they're not cool. And then they break up. 
and then they're further not cool. Okay. All right. So, you know, it's, it's a familiar ground. The, the, the video itself, the short film, the music video stars, uh, Dylan O'Brien, who uh, is in that, uh, the warm bodies movie, right? It was mm, in that uh, maze runner is his big maze thing. Maze runner, you know, one of those young adult things. Mm-hmm. That, warm this. bodies was, um, uh, Nicholas Holt. Oh, well, yes, it like was. Him. Anyway, Dylan O'Brien mm. is dreamy. He's got a beard and a and a beanie in this uh, thing. And the Taylor uh, representative is played by Sadie Sink, who a lot of people would know as Max in Stranger Things. Yep, uh, yep. Except for Jeremy, because he's never seen Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at this point, I'm convinced you never will. Uh, mm-hmm. It's It's gone too far. It's mm-hmm. gone too far. It's okay. like love, actually. You're never going to do it. Right. Yeah, uh, actually, is an intentional decision. Yeah. Mm. Well, <laughs> anyway, the difference. Sadie Sink uh, is a terrific actor, a terrific actor. Uh, and Dylan O'Brien, yeah, fine. In, in in what he's called on to do here, and what he's called on to do here is to play Jake Gyllenhaal. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. And so uh-huh. now, and so after this came out, it's a pretty standard thing. Just what I described, you know, young love, mm-hmm. everybody together. There's a nine year gap or 10 year gap between the two of them. Um, she feels weird because she's like 20 years old. He's like 30 years old and his friends are all weird. Like they're, 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 they, 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 they're leaving her out because she's young. And then, you know, he's got other stuff going on and they break up. Uh, and okay, fine. It happens to us all. We've all done that. Right. Uh, but apparently all dated Jake Gyllenhaal. We've all dated him. At this point, I have to check. I have to check the every one on of these dick. guys. The by tree. the way, every one of these guys had their Nashville moment, right? Like because she would always bring them out here, and and there was always like you know they they always had, and it always felt felt like after they had their Nashville moment, they were gone. They were gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they went to Fido together. Mm-hmm. They went to Fido. Yeah. Yes. And yep. so the, the the whole thing is that this is about Jake Gyllenhaal when they dated for what fucking three months or something. Like yeah, that. it was like not yeah. to discount. Yeah, hey, you can have very torrid love affairs within two weeks or whatever. Uh, True. But this is a three month relationship, and uh, it has turned into a, a a scathing indictment on Jake Gyllenhaal from a relationship that happened fucking what, 15 years ago, something like that? A long that. time ago, for sure. Uh, we, you know, okay. And and people, you know, especially Taylor Swift fans are like, really have some vitriol against this this dude because there's a line in there where he, he, he keeps her scarf uh, that she gave, that she left at Maggie Gyllenhaal's house for uh, <laughs> uh, like a, swear to God, a, a holiday party. He still has the fucking scarf. It's turned into, the whole scarf has turned into a thing. But the video itself, the short film itself, directed, starring, uh, uh, featuring Taylor Swift, quite good. Quite good. Mm-hmm. Song's all right. Video's very good. Uh, the performances, especially by Sadie Sink, uh, are really, really good. I would encourage you to watch it. It's on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. Song is fine. Uh, mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. I dated a girl once when I was 22. Yeah. And she had a really good job, and I was unemployed at the time. I was moving. That's why I was unemployed. Yeah, sure. And uh, she gave me her gas card um, to get gas, but also to buy snacks at the gas station until I found a job. And uh, we broke up, like, I don't know, three months later. And 
she was mad at me because she said I I, I knew we were going to break up a week before we broke up, but I kept using the gas card that whole week. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was your red scarf. Uh, I'm just saying I can relate. You know, like, I mean, I didn't know we were going to break up mm. that whole week. It was quite <laughs> devastating, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I can relate. Mm-hmm. Also, what's the beef here? What's the beef? She was ready to move on a week before you broke up, but you weren't. So you weren't in the wrong for using No, that I card. don't believe I it's was. It's not like you were just uh, like fucking, oh, well, this is, I'm going to get a fucking... 15 pack of natty light now no. uh, because I've got the fucking gas card. The, the relationship's we over. Didn't, we like had plans. She lived in Nashville. I lived in Chattanooga. If she's listening, I'll send you a check. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I give you goddamn money. <laughs> we had plans for Sunday in Nashville and she didn't answer the phone all week when I would call. And I guess that's how I should have known we were going to break up. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, mm. it's all good. Yeah, she was pulling it's the George Costanza, not uh, not talking to you <clears throat> before the ball. There you go. You can't say no if I don't have. If you don't say anything. <laughs> Believe it or not, George is in it. Just leave a message at the beat. Uh, Chris, you got another recommender, Warren? Uh, yeah, uh, I. Was you, were you first on this, though, on the cycle? I was. You, you were. Go you were All right. I'll go. Uh, I'm going to save another recommend for the future because uh, I really don't want everything to be good yeah. in this yeah. section. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. And uh, look, there are times, there, it's rare, but there are times when I flip through the movie channels, I just don't want to watch anything on there. There's either nothing I haven't seen or there's nothing I've seen that I want to watch again, right? It's not like The Untouchables is on. If mm. that's on, I'll watch it even if I watched it yesterday. Mm. But this was two, three days ago. Flip it around and it's shit like basic. Oh, <laughs> John Travolta. Basic. I had that exact same thing. Nice. And it was literally all the movie channels that I have were full of that kind of shit where mm-hmm. I've seen it. I probably watched it again on HBO at one point. I don't need to go back to that. <laughs> flipping, flipping. I just need something on. Something on while I drink my coffee and wake up and I end up on Here Comes the Boom. Ah, ready or not. Yeah, now, now, now listen, <laughs> I, I, I like Kevin James. Um, I like Kevin James more than you do. I, <laughs> I, I have not sought out very many of his recent movies like i mean i actually have seen both the paul Blood you saw movies. you saw becky though that was well, a, becky is completely a typical yeah. Kevin yeah, that's James. a good one yeah that's um good one. but i like him and hitch more than a lot of people even yeah. though that movie is problematic um for me but i i would never have watched this if untouchables had been on one of these channels <laughs> mm-hmm. or hunt for red october or dark mm-hmm. knight mm-hmm. or the matrix instead i got like basic <laughs> yeah diary yeah. of a wimpy kid nine right i just there's nothing so i leave it on this movie and as happens every time i want to know how it ends so i keep watching it even though it's obvious how it's going to end from the start have either of you seen this movie no that's all right good for you 
It's like a 40-something on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, It's not good. I kind of want to record it because I see another movie in here that would have been great. Like, do you remember when they almost made Cable Guy with Chris Farley and how different of a tone that would have been? Mm -hmm. Uh, Much more slapstick and less sinister, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is the exact same kind of tone, but, you know, Kevin James in a movie about a teacher who starts MMA fighting to raise money for the music department at his school, he guarantees you are going to lean into the silly. There are moments Mm -hmm, in here that make me want to see this movie almost exactly as it is, but with either Ryan Reynolds or Jason Bateman in the lead. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the moments are screaming for their kind of humor. There's a moment at the very, very end He's fought all along. Of course, Kevin James is not believable as an MMA fighter. That's also (laughs) what? Um, (laughs) But he finally gets to UFC to fight an actual UFC bout against a known previous champion badass guy. And he goes out there for the first round and just gets destroyed and comes back to his corner. And he says the dialogue, but he doesn't say it the right way because he says, oh, he's he's good. He's so good. And I'm it's screaming for Ryan Reynolds to do like he's so good. He's so good. Everything you taught me, he's better at than me. He's so good. Yeah. But Kevin James doesn't deliver it that way. Ryan Reynolds' body would look better in an MMA movie. Yeah, it would. Mm-hmm. Uh Henry Winkler is the music teacher. He's perfect. He can stay. He's the music mm-hmm. teacher and like the hype man every time uh dude fights. Um and I also think you could double feature this with Warrior because both of them feature a teacher who's moonlighting as an MMA fighter and the school doesn't want him to do it. Oh, is it um, uh, Edgerton? <clears throat> is the, or is it Tom Hardy? Is the Yeah, it's both. Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Edgerton yeah. is the one who's the teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't recommend this movie. I don't think you're going to laugh very much. Um, it made me smile a few times because I like Henry Winkler and I like Kevin James. Um <clears throat> It's formulaic as all hell. It's nonsensical. Um, But there's something in there. There's another movie in there. And I wish they'd gone, like, maybe even an R-rated, like Jason Bateman did with Bad Words, and Mm. just kind of, I don't know. There's another movie in there that I think would have been It was almost marketed (laughs) like another movie. It was marketed a little less slapsticky than you would think. It, It had those beats of, like, Oh, I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this as a serious type of thing. And then you had like some hijinks in there. Uh, so yeah, I yeah. could I could see that. But uh, now they're on their way to a fight. Henry Winkler's driving. Kevin James gets hungry, and Winkler says, or "Henry Winkler says, I got some applesauce back there. I made some earlier." So the trainer who's in the back hands forward this container, and Kevin James eats the applesauce, and he goes on to his fight. He wins. It's the first time he's won. And he's standing over the guy he just beat and he pukes on him repeatedly. (laughs) And then it cuts to the car on the drive home and he goes, who leaves applesauce sitting in the back window all day long in the sun? That's the Mm. kind of movie this is. But you give me a pen and Ryan Reynolds, commitment from Ryan Reynolds, I will remake this. It'll be good. (laughs) It'll be very good. Henry Winkler's back in. I, yeah, uh, every I, Winkler. I it'd it'd be you. like Penelope Cruz playing, you yeah, know, the yeah, same Vanilla role Scott. in Vanilla yeah, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah. I like uh, where Henry Winkler is is taking his career post Happy Days. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I think By he's, the way, he's, he's been... stuck and moved in, in really, really good ways. Yep. He's in French Dispatch as well. Is he really? Mm-hmm. It's not a big role, but he's in it. He is, he's a uh, he and he and Bob Balaban play like uh, brothers who are part of the company Adrian Brody is a part of and their art sales whatever. Thing. He's so. got chops, man. He he, rightfully so. I think he's won at least one or two Emmys for Barry, uh, and mm. he is every yeah. bit as great as Bill Hader in the role that they are assigned in that, in that show. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to recommend with caveats. Ooh, oh. This is not a, I don't want to put a worn label on this. So Caveat it's, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rec, requiat. <laughs> yes. It sounds like um, sounds like a painting that you'd see in the Sistine Chapel. Right, requiots. Right, that's a requiot right there. Um, uh, uh, last night in Soho. Oh, um, oh. Ooh, la lee, la loo. I have now that Edgar Wright has come out with what is it six movies, six like major movies, like he's in the uh, Cornetto trilogy and he did Scott Pilgrim and he did uh baby driver and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't, I enjoyed two thirds of that Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. Did not like that. Um, at world's end or the mm-hmm. world's end, whatever it's called. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I liked parts of baby driver. Uh, didn't like how it ended. I didn't like the whole ending part of that movie. Um, yeah. Uh, Scott Pilgrim is all is awesome. Um, and, uh, this movie is, I feel like great for a really long time. In fact, I was like, I can't wait to tell people about how great this movie is. Uh, and then it sort of devolves for me. And I don't know if that's just me as a, as a, as a watcher going, I don't like how this movie is going now. Um, there has to be a resolution to what's going on. You've seen the trailer and the resolution is going to be satisfying for some. Mm. Uh, uh, it's not, it's not, uh, I don't think it's spoilery to say that the resolution is not something that's just something completely fucking out there but if if you uh, remember the trailers for last night and so you you'll see that thomas thomas and mckenzie is going around like 1960s london and when she looks in the mirror she sees anya taylor joy and and of course in the trailer you're sitting there going what the fuck is that Uh, what what is that all about (laughs) the fuck um (laughs) yeah is she anya taylor joy is anya taylor joy thomas and mckenzie really uh you know I guess you could uh, you could probably still infer that if you wanted to in, in some small way. Uh, but she is an art student who um, is uh, going to the big city for uh, the first time. Uh, she obviously has actually an art. She's a fashion. She's a, a hopeful fashion designer is what she is. And uh, she's going to this, you know, this London School of Design or whatever it's called. Um, and uh, when she gets there, she is immediately, of course, an outcast because all the people who are there are big city types and she's a country type. And so 
Um, she's immediately uncomfortable in her surroundings, uh, and, uh, decides, you know what? I don't want to live in this dorm with this awful person that, uh, they've got me to room with. I am going to find this like uh, apartment, uh, somewhere else. And, uh, she goes to this uh, apartment building. The, uh, the person who runs the place is Diana Rigg. The late Diana Rigg is, uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, landlord, uh, of this place. And, uh, she finds this place. It's kind of cheap, but she still has to do a lot of work. Like she has to find a job to, uh, keep an apartment like this. And when she goes to sleep at night, that's when she is transported into this other time, these 1960s. And, um, and she, uh, she sort of follows along with Annie Taylor joy and, uh, and, uh, Annie Taylor joy is a, is a wannabe, a uh, singer she goes into this club this like club where like the best of the best are um uh you know are singing and she says i'm gonna be up on that stage this friday i guarantee you that that's what i'm gonna be doing and uh so she is told through all these channels you need to go and meet this guy and this guy is is it it's, it's matthew smith is his name oh, yeah matt smith uh through through him he is like all right i i am gonna i'm gonna put you on the fast track i'm gonna get you an audition and um if you are in any way familiar with how things worked back in these days before long before the me too movement and all of this you know this isn't going to go along a good path for anya taylor joy at all Mm. uh he, despite all of her, uh, you know, her confidence and the fact that she goes up and, and sings uh, that downtown, that version of downtown, which is so good. I think that's actually her singing downtown. So. Hmm. Uh, they had a music video that came out with her singing it. And that's basically what's in the in the scene. And you're like, oh, yeah, exactly. She's going to be a star. Of course, every every one of these these moments end with thomas Mc- thomas and mckenzie waking up in her bed at eight o'clock and um not knowing what exactly she's seen um and she starts to sort of uh uh eschew like real life for a while like there's a guy who's interested in her at the at the design school but she's kind of putting him off because she wants to go back home and go to sleep and, and enter this new world every single night but as, the more and more she enters this world, the more she realizes Annie, this is the Annie Taylor joy's life has started to become bad because it's, yeah, she got this audition, but the first job that you see her in, she's in this, like, um, I don't know if you would call it. It's definitely a demeaning kind of strip. It's not a strip show, but it's, it's like the thing that's just above that, like where they dress you up in like, you know, these really demeaning outfits. The song that the main singer singing is something about being a puppet and letting men control you and all this other type of stuff while nothing but men watch in the audience and everything. And it gets worse and worse and worse the more she goes into this. And then she starts thinking, maybe this person existed. Maybe this stuff actually happened back in the 1960s. And I'll stop there. Ooh. Um, as it gets to its resolution, um, I it may be it may be a function of I just don't like how this story ends up. Um, I don't like the whole resolution to it. Um, 
it's it it makes sense and i think it's going to be satisfying for many where the story goes um because it makes sense in what what they're what they've presented the entire time but it doesn't have that same magic i know he wants to get into the horror movie aspect of this but there's there's a moment there's moments where this movie gets loud and fucking just like uh it, it, it it's just too much going on at once on the screen and it becomes like a i don't know a modern it's different from most horror movies uh but it's also got some of the same sort of staples as other horror movies that you've seen even though it's edgar wright behind the camera there's there's still a lot of stuff that just kind of devolves into that oh well this is oh we've seen this before and I understand, you know, the, 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 the point of this is that it's not a fairy tale and everything. And they, he wants to tell a horror movie. Uh, but man, when you're going through that first you've seen it in the trailer when she's walking across the street and there's that big, huge marquee with gold finger on it and all that. And, uh, and she's going through all these places. Oh, it's such a magical hmm. fucking movie for such a long time. And then, and then yeah, it has to get to its ugly business, which is fine, but I don't know if I liked how it ends up mm. getting there. Like mm. when it gets to the third act, I'm like, all that stuff that I was really enjoying, now we're devolved into this big, you know, uh, it's it's a big loud horror movie type of thing. Mm. Um and uh so so I that's why I recommend with caveats because it's I think it's good. It's just that it yeah, it, I think it peters out uh diana rigg obviously a legend awesome in this movie uh terrence stamp has a character in this movie he's always great yeah he's always great uh matthew smith matt smith is fucking uh menacing in this obviously he's he's uh he's pretty pretty much trash uh but he's he's great um and uh, of course, I love Anya Taylor Joy. I've been saying that for a while now. So, uh, and of course, Thomas and Mackenzie, who's the new kid on the block, who's in everything recently. She's Isn't killing it, man. She's awesome. good. She's yeah. really, really, really good. I was really thinking good. at the end of the movie, maybe we find out that they were both L Fanning all along. Yep. <laughs> spoilers man fuck okay okay guys okay i'll come clean since jeremy guessed it uh they're both l fanning it's funny you know annie taylor joy uh, pretty much debuted she may have done something before that but uh with uh with split uh was her the witch kind of yeah the witch sorry Mm -hmm. i guess i mean split was her first big movie for sure split i you're right. Uh, I think more people saw Split than than The Witch, but you're right. But it seemed like, you know, she was she was great in The Witch, The Vitch. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very good in Split, but I don't think she's asked to do much in Split. It's no, a, not really. Weird thing. To, it, it's it's James McAvoy's movie, mm-hmm. um, and so based on those two performances, and and she's not really asked to do a whole lot in The Vitch. That's more of like basically Dave Eggers doing his that thing. The Vitch is Black Phillips movie. It is mm-hmm. Black Phillips. That's movie. true. That's true. So, so I mean, I Amy Taylor Joy doesn't really become a star until Queen's Gambit comes. I out. agree. I, and I and so. and when she does, I mean, my God, she has mm-hmm. all the talent in the world. I'm just saying that when when she first started, I didn't. I, I personally didn't know if she if she had all that stuff in her. Thomas right. McKenzie, on the other hand. 
from what I saw, Jojo Rabbit was the first thing I saw her in. Yeah. And she was electric in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's just continued that She would have been great and old if they'd have given her anything to do and that movie wasn't horse garbage. (laughs) Horse garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I hated that movie so much. Oh, that movie. Ring a teddy bear's neck. Yes, that will make you ring a teddy bear's neck. Um, But you know what? That's not her fault. That's like uh, Natalie Portman in the Star Wars prequels. That's just a director who doesn't use a talent. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. He's got he's got a lot of talent that he wastes in that movie. Yes, he uh, does. Overall, Uh, do you feel like there's uh, some Edgar Wrightisms in this film? Like, uh, you know, he's he's even a Baby Driver. Like, he's he's still got his style. uh, Yeah, I think there are. there's there's definitely like I think his style works better for comedies than it does for this film nerd thing that he's doing with yeah. Baby Driver and Last Night in Soho. Uh when you know when he when he like I said that that image of her walking across the street with that big marquee is 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 such a Quentin Tarantino thing like it fits in you know Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or something like that. Um but I don't know if Edgar Wright is good at the film nerd type stuff. I mean, that's wrong. That's that's absolutely wrong. And he 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 is great at it. But I think he made this movie with a specific uh, vision in mind. It just didn't connect to me by the end of it. Like mm. it was great. Like I said, it was great for two thirds of it. Um, where I was just so involved in it and I was ready to come out and get on Slack and be like, this is the best fucking movie I've seen all year. Um, and, uh, and then, and then, yeah, then that, and all that stuff at the end, like that, I'm sure there are a lot of film nerdy horror movie stuff that he's like emulating, uh, in this, that some stuff that we've never seen before because he's got that kind of a film knowledge and everything. Mm. But man, last thirty minutes is loud and fucking edited all over the place to me. And well, um, hey, look at Baby Driver. Baby Driver was amazing for the first probably two thirds. Same, yeah, same. Thing. Exactly like basic. It's exactly it's just like, basic. like fucking basic. <laughs> it always comes back to that. Baby Driver, man, starts off so amazingly that it just cannot get out of its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it it's top heavy. You know, yeah. like like uh, Dolly Parton, it topples <laughs> over itself. That's right. Very Dolly uh, Partony. That very Dolly driver. Partony. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but, I'm like, I, I, I got you. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this with a, some lowered expectations, which well, will I, probably make I, it good for me. <laughs> I think that's gonna help me the next time I watch it too. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I will find some things in it that are be like, okay, yeah, yeah. I see now where he's, where he's been building to this the whole time. I mean, the story itself. Yeah. It's, there's nothing that I'm like not understanding about it. It's just that it's, uh, it's just that it's a different movie by the time it gets to that point. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's what he said. Mm. Yeah. All right. Mm. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this up with a wreck of Warren. And it's it's the the Recawarniest Recawarn to ever Recawarn. Mm. It's Greenland, folks. It's Greenland. Oh it's no, Greenland. Greenland. Yes, it I've is. Heard this up a few times privately. Oh, this is a Mad Libs of disaster movies. 
This oh. is uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a take a Gerard uh, Butler and and you put him in he's and you put him in a southern city, right? It's already wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you say, all right, he's going to be a structural engineer. Uh, does that have anything to do with the plot? Nope. Nope. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. He's going to be he's going to be married, but on the rocks with Marina Bakarin. Okay. Ah, nice. Right, right. Does that have anything to do with the plot? No. Mm-hmm. I'll take Marina Bakarin on the rocks. Absolutely. He's going to have a son, but that son is diabetic. Mm. Oh. Mm. Does that have anything to do with the plot? Probably not. There's not you know a what, single. Though? There's not a single insulin panic in the whole movie. Okay, there. That has a little bit to do with the plot, but not really overall. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's better than the the staple of asthma that always fucking happens. And, yeah. <laughs> like, gotta be well, Emmerich like, produced, right? Kid, so, yeah, no, the kid has asthma. <laughs> it has nothing to do with uh, with uh, Roland Emmerich because he was busy with Moonfall. Well, it's following mm-hmm. his playbook. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, this this movie is uh, is pretty horrible. Uh, there, there's a comet that's headed to Earth, but it's not supposed to hit Earth. It's not supposed to hit Earth. It's going by. It's one of those comets that bounces off the atmosphere. We all freak out about for about half a second, and then you're all good. Except this one does hit, and it and it hits Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. Fuck you, Tampa. Movie begins with the comet hitting Tampa, like part of it, not not the whole thing. The whole thing is going to be an extinction level event. And Ellie is uh, is uh, what's her name that dated Allen said Anne Hache in mm-hmm. Deep Impact. It's mm-hmm. an Ellie. Uh, so so the the big the big one is going to hit the Earth in like I don't know twenty four hours or something like that. Somehow Gerard Butler and his his family who was broken but now they're galvanized. Uh, has to escape into the caves of Greenland. Roll credits, uh, where they have they've dug out the 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 stereotypical like survival caves for everything. Greenland, the 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 country, island? the country. Yes. Okay, I thought maybe it was like Greenland, Alabama. They have to make it from Atlanta or some mm-hmm. southern city. I don't even mm-hmm. know. He's maybe in Atlanta, maybe Tampa. He gets knocked over by a bunch of shockwaves. It's fucked up. But he okay. has to get okay. from that place all the way to Canada, Greenland. where the Canadians are going to fly him over to Greenland, mm-hmm. all within fucking like 24 hours. In the meantime, everybody gets separated. People get kidnapped. Uh, fucking Roy from The Office kidnaps the diabetic kid, uh, mm-hmm. along with, uh, with Hope Davis. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they, they kidnap him for like maybe... 30 seconds and then they're what are they kidnapping kids for uh they he's got a bracelet because gerard and his broken family were invited to go to the caves does that Uh. have anything to do with the plot no (laughs) (laughs) those bracelets are immediately forgotten and so he's got to make his own way uh, to to Canada. Imagine what this movie would be without the disaster. Exactly, and and meanwhile, the little bits of the 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 hell bop comet are coming off, and they're blowing <laughs> shit up and everything. The effects are horrible in this. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so they go up and they have to stop in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, to 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 refuel and everybody get together. And who's there? Mar- Marina Bacarin's father, Sudden Scott Glenn. Of course. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Looking grizzled as ever, probably. He's grizzled. He wears like fucking cut off t shirts and swigs Bud Light, and he mm-hmm. looks. He looks. Mm-hmm. He looks is rough. there a point? Is there a point where he says to the comet, "If that bastard so much as twitches, I'm going to blow it to Mars"? <laughs> probably. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Sky Glenn says, "You know what? I'm not coming with you because I'm ready to die," and that's all you see of Scott Glenn. Well, I'm tired of people like that. Yeah, he's like, fuck it. Movies. This mm. is my house. The comic the comic can come after me, bitch. This is my yeah, it's house. So dumb. It's so yeah. dumb. So yeah. they, they leave him, and they go up to Canada to get to Greenland. I'm not going to spoil uh, to tell you if, whether or not they get to Greenland. Uh, you got to watch it yourself. But this movie is every disaster movie put into one movie. And Gerard Butler uh, being Gerard Butler and and it's it's enjoyably terrible, and I would wreck a warn it, especially if you like disaster movies like I do. Um, it's it's a little it. bit of a little bit of a twisty take because they really mm. just threw in everything they could. They were like, okay, so he's got a kid. Let's make him. Let's make him have a disease. Asthma? No, asthma's off the table. Diabetes? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. let's do that. Diabetes. Yeah, let's do that. Is there a car that won't start? There are many cars that won't start. Yeah, yeah. I bet they make it though, because I saw a headline that they're making a sequel. So, well, who? Hey, who makes it though? I don't is know, but also, mm. also, is it just is the future just a bunch of different meteors, and every time we have to go to Greenland, like that just seems odd. No, it's well, just the, the one. It's just the one. The idea is to is because the impact is going to impact the rest of the United States, right? Like nearly all the United States probably, right? And the, Greenland's the as far as they the entire world. So is Greenland the safe place though? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, yeah, it's it's an extinction level event on par with the dinosaurs. Like okay. it, it's going to affect the entire world. So if they mm-hmm. don't get to Greenland, they're fucked. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the sequel is going to be about surviving a nuclear winter. Yeah, that sounds bleak. Could be. Yeah, could be. Yeah, is uh, is also is there some geostorm in this movie too? No, I wish. (laughs) Because I mean, I guess Jared Butler could count as the element of geostorm that's in this movie. I I, I tell you what, it's better than geostorm. Yeah, almost everything is. (laughs) Sold me there. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun. I I think I think we should have Gerard Butler on the show at this point, because we've talked about so many of his movies. Um, I'm just going to ring him up. I'm just going to mm, mm-hmm. uh, figure out his phone. Yo, Jerry. Telly. What's up? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. just, he probably lives in Nashville. And I'll be like, hey, you want to come over and do this thing? And he'd be like, yeah, that's fine. That's my Scottish <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, oh man. Jesus. Um, yeah, that's a fun one. All right, let me go over all the stuff we recommended and warned. Jeremy recommended Attica. It's a documentary on Showtime. Uh, if you got the Hulu extension for Showtime, on you can watch it on Hulu as well. Uh, he warned, here comes the boom. He's <laughs> Boy, uh, really he, polar uh, opposites here. That's right. A uh he would like to. He would like to tell Kevin James that he would have rather had Ryan Reynolds in this. Mm. Let's bring him on the show. Uh, bring him. That's both. right. We should have them both on the show. Um, 
I, uh, I recommended, <laughs> I recommended the French dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie. And I also recommended with caveats last night in Soho, Edgar Wright's new movie. Um, Barrett recommended the, uh, Taylor Swift short film for all too well, which is, you know, uh, putting Jake Gyllenhaal in his place once and for all. It's about goddamn time. That's right. That motherfucker. That fucking Mm. motherfucker. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then, uh, he wrecked warned Greenland, (laughs) a a disaster (laughs) film starring Gerard Butler, um do we want to do questions at all or do we want to call this one uh we can do a question do you want to do a question 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 i got something to say i want the truth i am listening all right let's do this all right here's the first question what is the best third movie in a franchise this person's pick would be a very good one the born ultimatum very nice what do you guys think (sighs) You know, it's interesting, you know, this question is, is, you know, precisely framed where you're not, you're not looking for what the, like, there, there's sometimes you have to come up with the very best of, of like, well, I don't know. It's like this question. I feel like we've been somewhat asked this before, but I feel like this is framed in a way that I can answer it in a a good way. So uh, I'm going to go with Return of the Jedi on this mm. one. Um, uh, he at Born Ultimatum is, I think, a, a clear one of the best thirds that you can ever uh, come up with. Um, uh, you can also probably come up with, uh, I don't think any, if you can cut me off, I don't think anybody said John Wick 3, by the way. On this, no, that's uh, a great one. one. Uh, so I, I probably should change it so far. I probably should change it to John wick three and, and say, but I will talk about return of the Jedi because I, I think, um, one of the things we do when we look back at this old star Wars trilogy is we say, well, empire strikes back is so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, return of the Jedi was <laughs> the first star Wars that I saw in theaters, at least I think for a while before I got sick and, and my whole family had to leave. Um, uh, but, uh, return of the Jedi has a lot of that cuteness that we would start hating in a lot of George Lucas stuff that would come after in his new star Wars movies and things like that. The Ewoks aren't that bad. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they I like Ewoks. I have a dog named after an Ewok. Yeah, uh, they the Ewoks are, you know, look, that that's that's one that, I mean, I if if there was anything that you wanted to really attack on Return of the Jedi, it's the fact that they fucking have to use the goddamn Death Star again. Mm-hmm. And and it's like can we come up with just one new thing and then like permeate it until the other Star Wars came out? They were like, let's find new and interesting ways to make more Death Star shit. Mm-hmm. And um and uh and so like uh, uh there is that but i mean that that whole thing with uh luke and vader and the emperor at the end that's really good i think the fight on uh, the uh indoor is awesome is it indoor mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh and i and i do like the battle and the death star i just wish it was a different fucking thing they had to kill this time mm-hmm. uh uh because i love the i love how it keeps crossing to those three stories all the way through it i think it's actually really well done we just I, don't yeah. give it much credit um, because of how great empire strikes back is. So, um, so yeah. Uh, but and yeah, I would probably say John wick three is probably, honestly, he's, 
Lucas has always been good at that. Like the end of Phantom Menace does the same thing. There's like mm-hmm. uh, the lightsaber fight and then there's Natalie Portman's entourage and then there's the kid in the ship that flies out to space and he starts battling. What does this do? You're right. I think the end of Matrix Revolutions is an homage to George Lucas because it's got three main climaxes Mm -hmm. that it keeps cutting between uh, and some are intimate and some are big scale. Uh, Mm -hmm. I like this pick. I I always liked Return of the Jedi more than most. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a good pick. I like that Lando blows up that shit too. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, mm-hmm. it's not Han, it's not Luke, it's not Leia. Lando gets in there and gets shit done. Mm-hmm. And then that Chewie's in there. No Chewie's on the surface. Yeah, it's just Lando. Yeah. Well, it's Lando in the Yeah, yeah. The the dude from Battlestar Galactica. I misread the question, so uh the only answer I have prepared is um what are you laughing at? And and, and I, I just, I mean, it's something completely dumb, but it works. I mean, I was, uh, I was just saying that Landau is Lando is on that uh, that ship with who that that dude from Battlestar Galactica. But it's actually, I was thinking of, I was, I was thinking of another set like sixty seventy sci fi show, Buck Rogers, I believe, which has oh, that yeah. beady 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 beady. <laughs> I remember that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Logan. Um, mm. So you're you talking can, about like a Wolverine trilogy here. Yeah, if you oh, consider you. Okay. the Wolverine films a trilogy, maybe you don't. It's definitely um, the best movie of that entire three movies. By virtue of the first two being pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would say Born Ultimatum, the question asker stole that one. Um, and, uh, you know. Nice one, guy. Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, Logan. I think Logan counts. That's uh, that's uh, that movie's awesome. I need to watch that movie again though because they, it's been a couple uh, years. I actually don't know this. Are are those are those canon? Like are are those uh, X Men? What was the first one? The first one was X Men's Origins, Wolverine. Wolverine. Then there was just the Wolverine. Well, then there was the Wolverine. Are those? All connected with the X Men canon, uh, yes. movies. Yes, yes. those and are also also James Mangold directed Logan, and he directed one of the other Wolverine movies. I yeah. see. I see. I think it was X Men Origins Wolverine that he did, <clears throat> or maybe it was the I, I can't remember which one he did, but he's he was part of. I think he of was two the of those. Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but those are even Logan is considered within that patrick stewart x-men timeline yes yes okay yes it's just that it's way way further in the future and everything yeah i gotcha i gotcha interesting interesting Mm -hmm. uh i I teed up wolverine i teed up beyond Mm -hmm. for you by the way and you're not you're not taking beyond but that's i don't that's think beyond is the best of that trilogy i think the first one is yeah but i like yeah. it beyond it right up there with it well it's it's the best third film in a franchise so, you, you, but but i i get what you're saying um, i see so so i could have chosen something that had two shit films if the third one was good no all three could be good which i guess i actually did do that yeah you, you, you did fine. i continue to you misunderstand the question let's move on i know i i think you can interpret this question that way 
and it totally works yeah. uh, because those are three standalone Wolverine films. And just so because Logan happens to have, you know, uh, Jean-Luc Picard in it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, <laughs> that it, that it's outside of the, 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 that trilogy in any way. So yeah. uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote down a bunch, um, but the, the best one to me is Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. It's the best third film because when I think about third films, I think about all the misses. I think about Spider Man three. I think mm-hmm. about Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Um, Godfather three. Uh, Godfather three. Yep. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. We all three fast, three furious, three fast, three <laughs> furious, <laughs> Tokyo fast mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so I, I immediately thought of all the misses, and I was like, "Wow, there's nothing in there." And then I was like, "Oh, Last Crusade is awesome." Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember how this went. I know that I saw, uh, not these in, in reverse order. I saw uh, Last Crusade first, and then I saw Raiders, and then I saw Temple of Doom. Mm. You guys, did you guys have the same experience, or was it that was backwards? my exact same experience? Yeah, I saw them in order because I saw uh Raiders and then Temple and then I now I don't remember watching those movies mm. before watching Last Crusade. I'm just pretty sure that I saw those movies before. Uh if I didn't it would have been something similar to what you're talking about where I saw Last Crusade first and then went back and saw Raiders and uh Temple of Doom. Um but yeah Last Crusade is fan fucking tastic. It's so good. I mean this is where this is the quintessential Indiana Jones movie. Now Raiders of the Lost Ark you can't beat how in his prime Harrison Ford was and, and how uh, in her prime Karen Allen was <clears throat> and, and how he really just uh, Spielberg and Lucas just took that character almost right out of a comic book and not in a superhero way, just this adventure comic book into the screen and really captured all that essence. But I think he did the same with, with uh, Last Crusade, with a little more texture, he did get a little into the the, the metaphysical religious stuff with the uh, the whole uh, 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 Crusade Knight uh, Holy Grail thing at the end. It works on a level that is the polar opposite of the the Crystal Skull. I think because of Last Crusade, him getting away with that kind of uh, magical stuff. It was like, hey, maybe we could do aliens now. <laughs> and people <laughs> buy Everything's on the table. Yeah, every one of those movies had some sort of uh, supernatural. Magic, for sure. Yeah. Them. I mean, any guy, hum num shabum. I think that's exactly why the alien shit doesn't work in the fourth one, is yeah. because there's all the other stuff had some sort of. Yeah, like uh, it felt. It felt like that it, it felt relatable in some way. And when he threw aliens into that fourth one, it was just like, you're just trying to go back to uh, aliens after doing close encounters and ET mm-hmm. and war of the worlds and all this bullshit. And like, like, can you just not have, can you not bring it back to aliens just this once? Can we just have normal fucking artifacts that <laughs> give people powers? No and aliens, Steven. Not that alien. it made that movie any better, by no, the way. I mean, look, like the aliens thing is far from the, the worst <laughs> thing about uh, Crystal Skull, even though that's what people always go back to. And I love a hey, listen. The the interplay between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery is absolutely 
dynamite. Mm-hmm. And the Great. fact that they fucked the same lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. So good. Oh, yeah. It's just an underrated lake. Talk I about an early crush. Oh, uh, Elsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Elsa. Yeah. Allison Duty, her yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she bit <laughs> Hal's lip right there, man. She just fucking like latched mm-hmm. onto that thing like a piranha. Mm-hmm. God bless her. I would have, I always wondered what would have happened, though, by the way, if, uh, if, uh, Indiana Jones had had enough reach and let her get the cup while it was down in the uh, chasm. What would have happened? Like, would it, would the whole earth continue to split, uh, if they had started running out because it makes it seem like it's just that building and they had a chance yeah. there, yeah. but then yeah. he just often throws her into the chasm because well, it's <laughs> funny because he, he fucking murders her. Man. Well, he's, no. he's right there. And isn't <laughs> yeah. it, uh, Sean Connery's like Indiana. <laughs> like he yeah. does it so quietly in the middle of all mm-hmm. this shit. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like Indiana. Mm-hmm previously but that's important because he doesn't like calling him indiana that's yeah yeah. like using his it's like the my mom using all three of my names like Mm -hmm. that's how he knows he's like that's going down (laughs) he's calling me by a state and we had that up-and-coming river phoenix in this movie too oh i love the beginning of this fucking movie Mm -hmm. so much man Mm -hmm. it's so good i love when he says it belongs in a museum yeah (laughs) so harrison ford like (laughs) yep oh yeah yeah that's a good one fucking last crusade is as good as it gets as far as third chapters go it really is and it it was hard to stick that landing and you could say that you know temple of doom i'm I'm, i know it was a commercial success and i know people still love it um it is definitely my least favorite of (laughs) of that trilogy and i think it loses its way a little bit uh from from the character but uh last crusade gets it right back together and it's gorgeous Mm -hmm. okay well uh that's gonna do it for this week uh keep going to sincast presented by cinema sins on facebook we're also on cinema sins twitter uh music video since twitter discord and soundcloud uh that's gonna do it for this week it's chris atkinson jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time Holla! thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. She was like, she was like, what is this? I'm like, it's, it's Chinatown. And she was like, what's Chinatown? And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it, it's it's chinatown and yeah she's like, well what's it about and i was like well it's jack nicholson he's a private eye and uh he's investigating you know this this lady uh with the with the the the, the serial uh cheating and stuff like that and it's uh it's what's her name and uh and it, it, it's, it's uh fucking god damn it who is the woman in chinatown faye dunaway faye dunaway it's Faye Dunaway, and she likes to fuck, and then it's mm. John Houston, and it's the water, and it's all this stuff, and he and he comes up in this major conspiracy, and then it's the sister and the daughter and the smacking, and she's like, mm-hmm. never heard of it. I was like, mm. fucking, are you serious? It's about incest. Okay. <laughs> it's about incest, by the it's, way. That's all it is. I think it was one of the first shows, by the way, to have a trans actor on it. Um, really? Because he... 
he um you know the whole premise of that show is he's a male prostitute he's just and, a gigolo and ain't and, the way to go hey what's the uh besides whiplash what is the movie that pops into your head when i say miles teller the only the brave but only because but I've you've seen, seen that, that a million times right? 15 20 times yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think he's in that new taylor swift video that i'm right. sitting right now and i've already called him whiplash i think i called him war dogs uh at one point and i'm gonna go with oh Fantastic yeah Four. war dogs is a good one for him um 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 that movie with shailene woodley where he drinks all the time i told you about um, what was that one? <laughs> the perks of being a drunk high schooler. Shailene's with Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so that's how they met because they went to Hawaii together, right? Well, that's how who met. There was a picture on the off season of Aaron Rodgers, Shailene, yeah. and Miles Teller, who yeah. was famously unvaccinated. Um, Aaron Rodgers, now we know, was unvaccinated. Yeah, and, broke and I assume to go to for Hey, he said he was immunized. There you go. Like it's, it actually has an awesome ending, but that takes an hour and fifteen minutes to get to. Plus, they touched the green space goo. God damn. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, the other other people are gonna get the glory. Let's do it ourselves and touch the space goo. Let's touch mm-hmm. the space goo like a bunch well, uh, who of all was it? it was Michael B. Jordan was in that, right? Kate Mara. Kate Mara and her now husband, for? Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Hey, I didn't call him Billy uh, Elliot. <laughs> oh, there you go. Dean. Dean. Yeah. As they say in Ireland, Dean. <laughs>